They are our 11 warriors. Yes, they are the 11 warriors. The most disciplined and the toughest damn dudes you're ever going to be around. Welcome back to Real Pod Wednesdays. It is Griffin Strome back from another vacation here. Uh, me and Dan have kind of been playing hot potato these last uh, few months here with vacations. I'll be off one week and then he'll be off one week. So uh, just me in terms of the regular duo here today. But we do have recruiting expert extraordinaire, 11 Warriors writer, Garrick Hodge back on the show today to join us. Uh, A very special guest indeed, back for a repeat edition as co-host of the podcast. And also just a note, obviously this, you're hearing this on Thursday. Usually these comes out, comes, come out on Wednesday, of course, uh, as the podcast is titled, but with it being the 4th of July on Tuesday, uh, we figured we would bump it back one day. So sorry about that. If anyone was uh, waiting to hear the podcast on Wednesday, we're just a day late here for you, but Garrick, Uh, There's certainly a a lot to talk about, obviously, in the recruiting world. There's been a lot going on. The Buckeyes continue to gain momentum as far as that goes. And uh, just the the day before I got back, Garrick, there was a big-time commitment for the Buckeyes uh, to continue a string of really good things happening uh, for the Scarlet and Gray on the recruiting trail. Well, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, uh, just a couple quick things. One, I hope we don't get sued for false advertising since it's coming out on a Thursday. I mean, that would be uh, probably my lawyer father's first instinct. Like, real pod Wednesday. This is a Thursday. Unbelievable. Second, <laughs> Griffin Strom. No, 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 no. You really, really missed an opportunity to create a new stage name for yourself with Griffin Storm. That, oh man, that, that oh, yeah. just would make me tune into any podcast, even if it was about watching paint dry with Griffin Storm. I'd be like, oh, that guy sounds what he knows what he's talking about. Well, listen, anyway. I've been I've been propositioned to have the name changed uh, many times. We'll, we'll see if we can do something. Maybe I got to talk to your your lawyer father in order to get that uh, going. Well, uh, this plot is clearly already off the rails, and I mean, maybe <laughs> we stayed out too late last night watching Fourth of July fireworks. But yes, uh, there were some Fourth of July fireworks on July second for Ohio State with the commitment of five star defensive tackle Justin Scott, which frankly, came as a surprise to everyone. Uh, It's been a while since a commitment really took me by surprise from Ohio State's perspective, probably at least almost a year, I'd probably say. But I was blown away a couple minutes uh, before it was public when I heard that Justin Scott was going to commit to Ohio State. And I cannot overstate enough how much of a massive recruiting win that is for both the Buckeyes, Larry Johnson, Ryan Day, um, everyone affiliated with the program, because this guy is a true elite defensive tackle prospect, probably the most elite defensive tackle prospect they've had come to Columbus since I, I wouldn't even know, but years. And even more so an elite win because from everything that's been reported, he was on the verge of committing to Michigan and Ohio State would have had to play against him until he came to Ohio State on June 23rd, that weekend of that official visit. And then hearing from Larry Johnson and his three-year plan for him really changed his mindset about everything and really convinced him that he needed to be at Ohio State. Um, pretty dark time for uh, the Notre Dame fans and the uh, Michigan fans of the world, if you've checked the message boards lately there, uh, has not been reading for the faint of heart. But if you checked uh, Ohio State message boards, you've seen a lot of just glee and 
pretty much every other comment was, holy bleep, I can't believe this happened. What a surprise. And uh, it's hard to oversell how much of a big recruiting win this is. That While I'm not going to say he's as talented as Jeremiah Smith, because Jeremiah Smith may be one of the best high school wide receivers I've ever seen, it comes at a position where the Buckeyes needed a win very badly. And their positional need at defensive tackle, especially over the next few seasons, is far greater than their need at wide receiver where, you know, um, former high four-star prospects transfer out in the spring this year. Can't overstate enough how big of a victory this is for Ohio State, and uh, they have to be really pumped about that one. Yeah, a, a five-star prospect, Garrick, a six-foot-four, 310 pounds is what he's listed at um, on 247 Sports. Uh, where he's also the number 14 overall prospect in that 2024 class, a number three defensive lineman uh, in in the country and the number one player uh, out of your home state, Garrick, of Illinois. Uh, and also our our very own Josh uh, Paloha on 11 Warriors did some research, uh, crunched the numbers and saw that, you know, Scott is the, the highest rated defensive tackle recruit uh, in, in like the modern recruiting era i think since 2000 and the sixth best defensive lineman in general uh in that span obviously ohio state's had a run of you know so many five-star defensive ends and things like that but this is a a dt that's you know up there with a lot of those guys that you talk about as being you know and current nfl superstars and uh perhaps he's on a similar trajectory there as well and you mentioned mentioned jeremiah smith uh scott is now the second highest rated recruit in that class um, you know, Smith being the number two overall player in the country. Um, and yeah, you, you mentioned this, Garrick, as well, but I wonder, you know, specifically for Larry Johnson, right, how big this is because it was well documented last year, you know, how, you know, Johnson missing on several of those really big time defensive end targets, you know, some of his top priority targets. Uh, and that's not something that we typically see, you know, from Larry Johnson, considering all the talent that he's brought in over the years with the likes of the Bosa brothers, Chase Young, you know, JT, et cetera, et cetera, Jack Sawyer. You I mean the, the list goes on. So, um, you know, and it wasn't that long ago that some of those guys, you know, just entered the program, but to miss on, on several of those guys last year. And then, of course, you know, with with NIL being what it is now, um, a lot of that stuff led to, you know, maybe some some you know, faith dwindling in fans. Like, you know, obviously Larry Johnson doesn't have a, a whole uh, lot more years left in him at Ohio State. Uh, and so can you just speak to, you know, how much this does to kind of reinvigorate anyone that, that lost faith in his touch on the recruiting trail. Yeah, it's definitely a dagger to the Larry haters. I don't know how many <laughs> of them truly are there in terms of the Ohio State fan base. But uh, it definitely, uh, I mean, he does get negatively recruited against quite a bit from opposing fan bases just because they're like, yeah, look at his age. He's not going to be there forever. He's probably not going to be there for your entire career. That's what some other teams try to sell for recruits that are considering Ohio state and things of that nature. But yeah, I think, you know, after missing out on the three premier defensive ends in the 2023 cycle, getting Justin Scott is a monster win for Larry Johnson. And honestly, it could be just the start. Um, if things continue to keep up with how I think they could unfold for two other five-star targets that I'm sure we'll touch on in a bit, but going to just Justin, uh, just want to talk a little bit more about his game for just a second here. Um, I believe he's only played for three years football in general, and he's a five-star prospect. And what's crazier is that 
He's also an offensive lineman, uh, plays guard, and he would probably be a five-star offensive lineman if that's what the direction that he wanted to go to. Um, if you just watch his film on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, and he is just the definition of, as Vince Marrow, our Kentucky legend uh, tight ends coach, would call it, a grown man spelled G-R-O-A-N. Um, <laughs> just manhandles and throws guys around. He's honestly, I, I sort of always think like the line that like if you don't notice them on offense, they're doing a great job. And a lot of defensive tackles are sorely underrated because, you know, it's usually the ends that get in there and make the sacks and the interior guys are usually used to like clog everything up. But unless you're Aaron Donald and you just like throw double teams to the side and you get somehow 20 sacks in a year. No, I'm not going to sit here at the straight face and say Justin Scott is Aaron Donald but he is the type of guy that's going to beat those double teams is going to make the tackles in the backfield stuff ball carriers uh pressure quarterbacks maybe similar to how Mike Hall did the first couple weeks and um I think he's really a game-changing prospect and a guy that they can really rely on in that interior defensive line spot that quite frankly they haven't had a a player of his caliber for a while and um, at least coming in for his freshman year, they've developed some guys over the years, but um, in terms of a starting spot, it's hard to do better than the type of player that Justin Scott is. And Garrick, we'll talk on, you know, potential future commits and things of that nature that could join this 2024 class in a few minutes here. But I just want to, you know, take a look now with this latest commitment at the 2024 class. And you talk about uh, it's a group now that has, I believe, four or five star prospects between, uh, you know, Jeremiah Smith, as we already mentioned, Scott, obviously, then Mylon Graham and Aaron Noland. Um, and, and obviously last year, Garrick, if you, if you rewind the the calendar a little bit here, uh, there was a lot of talk about how the 2023 class, you know, might not have had a, a lot of true superstars or, you know, it only had the one five-star prospect. Uh, if you talk about just the, the two, four, seven rankings um, with Brandon Ennis coming in at wide receiver, I think fans were really kind of clamoring for a five-star type of guy on defense. Uh, and, and there was a lot of, you know, very talented recruits, but maybe that class was missing some of the super, super elite guys that they're used to seeing Ohio State bring in with, you know, several force or several five-star guys. Uh, and it, it looks like this 2024 class is, is maybe changing that perception. Um, and I guess I wonder, you know, how much you see that unfolding and, and how much of, of that is maybe Ohio State's NIL um, situation, you know, coming along since then too. I think they're in a definite much better place with NIL than they were a year ago. And a lot of that has to do with the emergence of the 1870 society, giving them a, another collective that has been really helpful and just helping out the initiative of Ohio state and uh, doing it independently. But I think that NIL has turned into an asset from Ohio state's perspective, but it's still not the, driving focus in recruitment like the it, it definitely may be used as an asset to maybe sway a player that really wants to be a Buckeye and their Ohio State's initiative on NIL hasn't changed in terms of for their first and foremost priority with it is they're going to take care of their own guys and the guys that are on the team contributing to it that's uh, where they want a lot of the higher end money to be distributed and Personally, that's probably where they should. And they use a lot of 
the terms, you know, we think our culture is really what's winning us over in recruiting. And I buy that quite a bit. Now they're still selling their culture and that's their main focus to selling and recruits. But NIL has definitely gotten in a better place and you can tell in bigger recruitments that it's helping Ohio state a lot. And I think it's a night and day different setup, um, both in where the foundations are at this time and where Ohio state is just overall as a department with it comparison to where it was a year ago. And Garrick, you mentioned NIL and obviously that that doesn't always go in Ohio state's favor. And perhaps you can enlighten us to, to some details or, you know, things you've heard rumors, et cetera, about one particular uh, recruitment situation, because uh, my first day back from vacation uh, it was set up. It seemed like you Garrick were, were pretty confident that um, another big time defensive line prospect in that 2024 class uh, Marquise Lightfoot out of Chicago, uh, a top 70 overall guy, four-star defensive end, um, was was maybe set to commit to Ohio State. Uh, but, you know, at the last minute, it seems like the, the tea leaves changed, uh, ends up picking Miami instead of Ohio State. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure some people were disappointed in that because it could have been a, a really impressive start to the week for Larry Johnson, but um, ended up missing out on Lightfoot. So, Garrick, what, what uh, you know, a, as you – in terms of what you've heard and everything like that, what changed last minute? How confident were you beforehand? And I guess how surprised were you by that whole development? Um, I mean, yeah, I've, I heard, I've heard the bagman rumors like everyone else. And uh, I think it would be foolish to dismiss them, but considering how much speculation there is with the amount of lucrative NIL deals going around, I try not to delve into those waters too much, but I'm, Sure, it was a factor. It almost had to be. I do know that uh, the last 48 hours of that recruitment really changed a lot. Um, Up until that point, he was pretty much all Ohio State and Miami made a very appealing last minute push. And uh, we'll we'll let you infer what uh, that last minute push entailed. Maybe uh, he just really likes uh, South Beach and playing in Florida. Uh, Maybe they found the right address. Who knows? But all in all, I mean, I think Marquise is a great player. Um, I think that he would have been a fine addition to Ohio State's class. I think he's going to be a great addition to Miami's class. It probably would be magnified a lot more had Justin Scott not committed to Ohio State literally the day before, um, giving them such a much-needed win and at pro- arguably a much uh, deeper need at position. And it also would probably be magnified more if they weren't in – such a great position with two high-end defensive end targets that are also five-star calibers that they've gotten a lot of momentum for nationally. So, I mean, you you sort of show your shoulders and go, it is what it is. You can't win them all. It giveth, it taketh away on the recruiting trail. And <laughs> sometimes, uh, if nothing else, it just signifies how fluid and how fast recruiting can change. It can happen within a 48-hour span, um, something that's been – um, pretty solid for a couple of weeks can be just crumpled up and thrown in the trash like that. So makes my job interesting, makes it fun and makes it hair pull inducing. So there you go. 
Yeah, in your case, Garrick, I guess sometimes you are scrambling to write a piece that you weren't expecting to write, and sometimes you're having to delete a piece that you were expecting to run in that case. But um, Garrick, yeah, you know, the, the Marquis Lightfoot commits to Ohio State piece will never see the light of day unless, I mean, he flips down the road. But in that case, it'll have to be uh, drastically reworded. So uh, very confident that that, as it stands, will never see the light of day. So uh, RIP 40 minutes of... Uh, time i spent writing that i guess (laughs) you maybe you could start a patreon or something where you uh allow people to read your your graveyard of uh (laughs) recruiting pieces for all the 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 uh i always i mean i don't think anyone like it wouldn't do well from a general public standpoint but you know as like a guy that loves the way this industry works and like a guy that's just morbidly curious about all the journalistic stuff that never saw the light of day I would like pay like $6 to just see like a mumbo jumbo of like drafts of like what people had. Like this was definitely going to come out and then we had to drastically rewrite it. Like even I would like love to see like a draft of like what Dan was writing when uh, in the Peach Bowl when Ohio State was up like by 17. And I'm sure he was writing something along the lines of like these are the new Buckeyes, the ones that blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, Marvin Harrison got hurt. But like, I think that would have been really like fascinating if we could just take like drafts of like stories that never see the light of day and then just like look at them and then be like, oh, wow. Uh, Consider it an alternative uh, time capsule, if you will. But anyway, I've uh, well, with your willingness to pay six dollars. I'm not sure that's motivating anyone to to, uh, (laughs) go look those up. But nevertheless, Garrick, uh, you know, you you just mentioned there uh, a couple guys that you know, Ohio State is still in really good standing with in terms of other defensive end prospects in that 2024 class that, of course, uh, you know, if they end up swinging Ohio State's way, could make people forget all about the Marquise Lightfoot commitment to Miami. Um, Garrick, who are those two players? Reveal these mystery names for us. uh, And could you tell us, you know, any updates on those two prospects that you just alluded to? Oh yeah, they're uh, they're real mysteries. Anyone that follows recruiting <laughs> has no idea who I'm talking about. Yeah, um, five star Georgia defensive lineman Edric Houston and five star Maryland. Uh, sorry, DC. I always get those mixed up because I suck at geography. Five star <laughs> DC product uh, Dylan Stewart. I think both have had a lot of momentum with Ohio State over the past couple weeks. I think Edric Houston has a decision date for August 22nd and. As of now, but we've seen everything's fluid and could change, but I like where the Buckeyes stand a lot heading into that commitment date of August 22nd. Uh, Stewart doesn't have a commitment say, doesn't have a commitment set, sorry, and really could pop any time from now until, I guess, December, but more likely than not, he'll make a decision before his uh, senior season starts. And a flurry of crystal balls came in from 24-7 Sports, pinpointing him to Ohio State. I've also thought pretty much after his official visit that he was going to go to Ohio State. But, uh, you know, I'm always overly cautious of picking guys to go anywhere because things can change on a whim. But I've gotten very optimistic vibes um, that both of those two are the favorite to end up in Ohio State's 2024 class. And if that's the case, I think that's another massive recruiting hall for Larry Johnson in Ohio state. And one that should get fans just as excited about that vaunted 2021 class when you had JTT, Jack Sawyer, all those guys in it. And, um, you know, you combine that with Justin Scott and Jeremiah Smith, Mylon Graham, all those guys in there. And 
I think within the next three years, if you make those additions, I think championship or bust within a three-year span would be a very fair uh, benchmark for those guys to clear. Wow, Garrick is calling his shot right here, everybody. Uh, if, 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 they, if they land those guys, though, if they land right, those right. guys. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a monster, but. <laughs> Out of those two guys, though, Garrick, I guess, uh, first of all, which which do you feel like Ohio State is, uh, you know, who would you be more surprised by if they didn't end up at Ohio State? And I guess, who do you view as the the more elite uh, prospect, I suppose? Oh, um, man, this is tough. I, I mean, I like where they stand with both of them, but um, if I had to pick one, I'd probably say I like Houston where they stand with a little bit more. And I'd probably say I like Houston a little bit more as a prospect only because I think he has a lot of versatility. I think uh, similar to Jason Moore, a guy coming in um, last year's class, 2023, he's a guy that could um, you know line up hand on the ground on the end, or he could play inside. His weight really allows for him to be shifted at either one and have him be a lead at both positions. I, th- I think his speed is at an elite level at both levels and his physicality is pretty much unmatched compared to a lot of other prospects. So I would say Houston by a slim uh, margin to both questions. Have you seen a Houston play in person, Garrick? In person? No, but, uh, I mean, I've, I've seen him in person um, when he was on his visit, and uh, he yeah. definitely passes the eye test. Because I remember Stewart was was here uh, last I, year. I, did, I have seen Stewart in person, yes, and he also uh, definitely matches up to the eye test. For sure. And so, Garrick, you know, as we're talking here, kind of skewing uh, defensive recruiting for Ohio State in that 2024 class, uh, we've already kind of touched on some of this stuff, but, you know, obviously – Entering June, Garrick, uh, it, there was definitely a perception that the defensive recruiting in that class was kind of lagging behind because at that time, I believe Ohio State only had two defenders committed in that class. When you talk about Garrett Stover and Peyton Pierce, both playing linebacker. Um, and since then, they've obviously made up a lot of ground in, in quick succession uh, with the commitments of Jalen McLean, uh, Bryce West and Justin Scott. Um, and so, you know, how much of that, you know, do you feel like has calmed any any concerns for Ohio State fans that that were wondering, you know, what's going on there? Because I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Garrick, but you know, at the start of June, I think Ohio State had 11 commits on offense and only two on defense. Uh, were you did you find that strange at all? And did you think that there was cause for concern there? And and how much is this uh, recent stretch here and the potential future commits that Ohio State could land um, an answer to that? to those questions and concerns? Um, nah, I, I never really worried about it too much. I mean, I know a lot of fans uh, certainly were not thrilled about it when they saw the disparity. Um, but, I mean, I, I knew that Bryce West was probably only a matter of time before he joined Ohio State's class, and sure enough, he was. You know, Jalen McLean was a guy that had a pretty quick turnaround, and he went on his official visit. He wanted in. He saw enough, and then, boom, that was that. Um, Justin Scott kind of came out of nowhere, and I thought that that recruitment was going to go into December for a while. But and then you know they, the five star guys should have answers on by this uh, this summer, and also another top target, uh, Aaron Scott, who is neck and neck between Ohio State and Michigan. On they're going to get answers pretty soon, and I still feel slightly slightly confident about where Ohio state sits in that recruitment, but uh, it's, it's 
neck and neck. It's too close to call, uh, according to uh, political race theater. But <laughs> no, I, I I knew they were going to get converted on a decent amount of defensive targets. It was just a question of how many. And yeah, I was I was definitely willing to let the summer play out uh, before I officially pressed the panic button on defensive recruiting. And sure enough, it seems like uh, things have steadied out on the ship and uh, could be a good summer and a good recruiting class for the Buckeyes if everything continues this way. Yeah, Garrick, obviously things have been going well uh, thus far this month at the at the end of last month, obviously with, with all the com- commits on really both sides of the ball. Uh, but we've also seen some guys, some some commits in that in that class kind of sounding off on Twitter here in recent days, uh, teasing that this could be, you know, a, a massive month for Ohio State recruiting. And uh, considering what they've already been doing, I think that would be great news for Ohio State fans. So I guess, you know, when, when you see some of those tweets and things like that and, and, and wonder, you know, start thinking about what could potentially come next uh, for the Buckeyes, uh, what do you see? unfolding and, and happening uh, next to kind of continue to kick off this big July month that, that could be in store for the Scarlet and Gray? Well, the next one's pretty easy. I think they're going to get a commitment and they're going to get one today from Miles Lockhart, cornerback out of Arizona. That's basically going to end up being a slot cornerback. But I, I think they're going to – I'm pausing because I – I don't want to call my shot, but I think they're in a really good spot for Kingston linebacker out of uh, California, St. John Bosco product. He's got a July 21st commitment, if I don't uh, remember that wrongly. But yeah, I, I like where they stand with him, his other two options being USC and Notre Dame. But So I think they could have anywhere between two to three commitments in the fold before the month's out. And yeah, I, I think that would be – not both of those guys would be nice additions to Ohio state. And I probably feel as confident with miles as I've had any recruit this cycle. I think once he got the offer um, from Ohio state, he pretty much was like, yeah, they're number one. And he's really never even wavered at that point. Yeah. Garrick, so, you just said before you move on there, just to, you know, because you sound so confident in the commitment of miles Lockhart, let's, uh, you know, spend a, spend a minute talking about him just because, um, in all likelihood this will, this, you know, podcast will come out before, uh, his announcement comes out. So, um, for any fans, you know, listening to this after that, that commitment comes out, if it does end up being Ohio state, you know, what, what will, what would Ohio state be getting, uh, in Lockhart who I, th- I believe plays uh, running back as well as cornerback, uh, at, in the high school level, Garrick. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, so not the well, 247 the, has him listed as a running back on their, uh, you know, Google page, which is kind of uh, amusing, but. Right. And, and not the not the most highly rated guy with, you know, in terms of the overall rank at the uh, number 365, I believe, uh, in terms of 2024 guys. But, um, you know, do you think that that he is better than that ranking suggests or a guy that could that could rise in the ranks, um, you know, going into his last year? Well, I think 24-7 doesn't rank guys that profile as slot corners very high. They prefer to give guys that play on the outside more preference. And, I mean, Miles plays on the outside in high school, but he's going to be a slot corner in college. And, frankly, I think he's going to do a very good job with that. And we've seen in Jim Knowles' defense how crucial that uh, slot spot kind of can be, um, especially if you 
depending on whether you want to use a corner, use a safety, whatever you want to do for that slot spot. But no, I think he's a baller. Um, I think he, uh, to use a baseball term, uh, I think he's got that TWTW, the will to win. And Mm. I think more importantly than anything else is that he fits Ryan Day's philosophy of recruiting guys that want to be a Buckeye to a T. This man loves Ohio State, has basically said, I want to be a Buckeye ever since he was offered. I think I've interviewed him probably no less than six or seven times. And all of those times he said that Ohio State is his number one school and that's where he wants to be. And frankly, I believe him. I don't even think he took an official visit anywhere else besides Ohio State. So uh, I think that's just a testament to his commitment and that he wants to be at Ohio State. And yeah, like you, I'd be surprised if it's not Ohio State when he ends up committing. But yeah, I think that he's a great piece for Tim Walton. I know that he and Bryce West got along swimmingly on their official visit. And I think that if he's in the class, he's also going to go to work on Aaron Scott pretty hard too and see if he can get them to join Bryce West. So that would be a pretty uh, great corner trio if that can happen between Miles Lockhart, Bryce West, and Aaron Scott. Yeah, Garrick, Aaron Scott, obviously the, the second rated player in Ohio, I believe, just after Bryce uh Bryce West, unless I'm mixing things up a little bit there, but uh, if not, they're uh, you know right right in that mix. Um, and you said, and he he has a commitment date set for July 30th, correct? And uh, so it, it sounds like it's going to come down to the wire between Ohio State and Michigan. I know you just touched on this uh, a little bit, but I guess you know where do you think the Buckeyes stand? Um, you know how much does the the commitment of Bryce West uh, impact maybe Scott's decision? Um, and you know how much of a win would it be? On the other side, for Michigan, um, who obviously has had you know a, a few wins against Ohio State here that have gotten the you know the fan base riled up and everything like that, um, you know how much of a win would that be to take uh, Scott out of you know the state of Ohio, obviously in the state lines there? Well, I mean, I think I said this on with Dan last week that whichever school wins that recruitment, their fan is going their fans are going to have a field day on Twitter in the message boards. And it's going to be a very um, Simon and Garfunkel-esque uh, moment <laughs> for the loser. Uh, hello, darkness, my old friend. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've seen a lot of people try to read too much into it that like his dad's a big Ohio State Buckeye fan and he wouldn't uh, commit on his father's birthday, which is July 30th, if he was picking Michigan. And I don't necessarily know if I believe that. I, I think that both schools are still firmly in the running. But um, in terms of how much does Bryce West impact it, I mean, it doesn't hurt. He has said that he wants to play together with Bryce West in college, and I believe him, both prospects, when they said they'd like to play together. But I think when every prospect says that, they all, you know, they all want to play with uh, their peers and guys that they know and kind of grew up around and gone through this recruiting process with. But it doesn't always end up working out that way, and they're always going to do the thing that works out best for them and believe fits their family and themselves best. But um, I think last week I said I still have Aaron Scott in the class by the hair of my chinny chin chin, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stand by that that I think he will pick Ohio State. But um, the next few weeks for those following that recruitment will certainly not be for the faint of heart. <laughs> and, and how does I guess his skill set compare to Bryce West? Obviously, their their names have been kind of uh, you know attached at the hip when you talk about their relationship, uh, their their kind of recruiting rankings and status. Um, in t- terms of Ohio recruits, their recruitments between Ohio State and Michigan, how do those guys kind of, uh, you know, 
compare in terms of their similarities and skill sets? I think they're pretty similar in some ways. Um, I think they both have very high ceilings. Uh, I think they're both capable of playing on the outside. Um, Bryce, I think, has a slightly higher ceiling than Aaron does, but I think both could be locked down corners at the Big Ten level. Um, I think Bryce is very speedy. I think Aaron is very long and lengthy and could d- disrupt a lot of uh, top wideouts. And um, I guess the best way to answer that is you can't really go wrong with either. It's great that you have one, but it would be even better if you can get both. For sure. And, and Garrick, I know there's, you know, you wrote about several other upcoming commitment dates uh, with guys that at least have Ohio State in their top schools list. Uh, perhaps not all of them, you know, are, are trending towards Ohio State, but um, you know, you talk about guys like uh, Zabian Brown, the number 61 overall player in the country, a four-star cornerback, who is, uh, his commitment date is on Sunday. Florida safety Brandon Jacob, uh, the number 167th rated overall prospect in the class, committing on July 20th. Uh, Florida defensive tackle DeAndre Robinson, another four-star guy, um, on ju- the very next day on July 21st. And then you, you also mentioned there the four-star linebacker Kingston uh, and then Garrick, you're going to have to give me an assist on the last name there. Uh, Vilamu Asa? Asa? Yeah, I, I, I usually ask recruits to say their name and spell it. Although I usually don't ask to spell it anymore because the spellings are pretty readily available. But I usually ask for a pronunciation. And regrettably, I did not ask Kingston that. So um, <laughs> I, I don't want to butcher the young man's name either. But um, Right. He he's he's got that twenty July twenty third commitment date. So, uh, you know, out of out of that group there, um, you already said you, you you know you feel pretty good about where Ohio State stands with Kingston, who I believe was the the first player that Ohio State actually offered in that twenty twenty four class. Uh, but out of the rest of those guys, Brown, Jacob, Robinson, anything there for fans to get excited about, or not so much? I think. Kingston, they're in a really good shape with. Um, I don't know how much that extends to the other three. Um, I think Zabian, um, he has three finalists, and between USC, Alabama, and Ohio State, and the Buckeyes are running a very distant third um, with that one. Brandon Jacob is probably the one uh, outside of Kingston that I think that they still have a decent shot with, but. I probably wouldn't pick it. I would probably pick the field over Ohio State right now. And DeAndre Robinson is a Texas lean from what I understand. So um, all of those are probably trending elsewhere. But um, good news could be coming for Kingston. But that recruitment is certainly not over yet. And Garrick, anyone else, I guess, that, that should be on fans' radars? I know I think you you mentioned the name Jaden Jaden Jackson, I believe, another guy. But you know, anyone, including him, I guess, and then anyone else that you think should be on people's radars in terms of potential uh, def- defensive commitments coming up particular, because that's kind of what we've been focusing on here or just in general outside of that. Yeah. Um, Jaden Jackson has definitely um, been a high profile target for Ohio state, uh, another defensive tackle and, you know, Texas has made some really good strides there, but I still think Ohio state's, um, definitely in that recruitment and he's supposed to make a decision before the summer's end. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that one. But, um, I mean, we, we covered, um, most of the guys off the top of my head that I can think of, uh, in terms of decisions that should be coming up pretty soon. So, Oh, well, except for KJ Bolden on August 5th, that, uh, 
five-star safety and Houston's teammate. Um, I think that Ohio State's in good position there. Um, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic about Ohio State's chances with KJ, but both Alabama and Georgia are real threats, and it wouldn't surprise me if he went to any of those three schools. And I know that'll probably get fans annoyed because it sounds like I'm hedging, but quite frankly, that's all you can do at this point. Um, you know, there's cautious optimism from the Buckeyes, but there's also optimism from those other two programs around him. But um, I think it's possible that uh, Houston and Bolden could be teammates in college and have that destination be Columbus. Yeah, both of those guys play for, I believe, Buford High School in, in Georgia, correct, Garrick? Yeah, that's correct, yep. And that's another – that would be a five-star pairing there. I mean, if Ohio State were to land even just, you know, a couple of these guys that we've been talking about, you'd be talking about a a very stacked class in terms of five-star talent there and, you know, especially coming off of, as I mentioned a couple of times here, a 2023 class that only really had that one five-star guy. But I guess, Garrick, anything else on the recruiting grounds that we want to cover before we kind of dive into some some miscellaneous news and notes as we kind of – you know, get through the the summer slums here in terms of the Ohio State sports cycle. Obviously, there's always something going on, but in terms of the teams and everything, it's it's the dead of the off season. So, uh, just want to give you the floor for a second. If if we uh you know haven't covered any any recruiting topic that you think the fans need to know about, I'll tell you one thing. I think we've done a good job touching base with the recruiting dynamic and we should not deprive Griffin should be storm of any miscellaneous news and notes. So I will uh, graciously as uh, politicians in Washington don't do gladly refer my time back to you and Griffin take us away through the miscellaneous news and notes of the day. All right. Well, Garrick, stay on for a minute so I can uh, use you here to, to get your thoughts on some of this stuff. I wouldn't want you getting off early here as we close the show out with uh, some some headlines here. Uh, Garrick, a couple of uh, former Buckeyes suspended for gambling stuff in the NFL recently. Uh, that was another thing that obviously happened as I was uh, gone on vacation, so I wasn't exactly reading super heavily into that while I was on my trip, but got to catch up on some of this stuff. Uh, Nicholas Petit Ferrer suspended for six games for betting on non-NFL games. Uh, and then Rashad Barry, obviously the former Ohio State tight end, um, suspended indefinitely for betting on NFL games and then got waived by the Colts. Um, obviously, the the sports betting, like, uh, I don't know if you call it an epidemic, but just a phenomenon, I guess, continues to to sweep the nation. I know a lot of my friends are, you know, big time into that stuff. And it sounds like obviously some of these former Buckeyes in the NFL are as well. Uh, but I guess kind of more surprising for Petit Ferrer, Garrick, who never really seemed like a guy that I would expect to, to get in any sort of trouble at all. Yeah. If you were to ask me um, to rank former Buckeyes in terms of, you know, who's the most likely to end up in a tabloid story, he would probably be the last one. And um, honestly, it's, I, I understand why the NFL is as hard as is, you know, nitpicky with all this gambling stuff, but also, he's not betting on the NFL. He's, from what I understand, betting on other sports, and who cares? But NFL is going to NFL, and the guidelines were made very apparent, and you know the hammer came down on other guys before that. So kind of surprising to see him get caught up in that, even though I think it's pretty petty, you know, considering uh, 
the other things that uh, players get suspended six games for, which we won't go into those murky waters. But yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I mean, he'll come out of it stronger and better than ever, I'm sure. And we'll go back to blocking defensive ends and tackles uh, as awesome as he did at Ohio State, I'm pretty sure. Garrick, how's your uh, sports betting fix coming along? Are, are you lost in the in, in that game as well? or Bro, I like went on like a three-month hiatus. Like I, I had a really good start to the sports betting realm where I did pretty decently when I like first started on like the Super Bowl. And then the uh, basketball season like broke me. And I mean, I not broke me. I like probably lost like a hundred bucks total. It's not like I'm just <laughs> like five bucks here and there, but I'm like, man, I'm done with this crap. So I will not cast another bet until football season starts. So uh, I'm, I'm rehabilitated as uh, some may say. There you go. Yeah. I got, I did a, a few free bets when they were throwing out all that, the, the free money uh, in Ohio, but then I think I, I, I never won any money at all. Never won a single bet on like four different ones that I did. And it was like, all right, well, I'm not about to keep dipping into my own pocket to uh, just lose money. So I'm actually not really on the train, but I, I, I certainly understand the appeal and I'm sure that will continue on for a while. Garrick, some basketball talk here in the headlines. Uh, Ohio State announced the other day that they will play a charity exhibition game at Dayton on October 22nd with all proceeds benefiting the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation and the National the National Alliance on Mental Illness of Ohio, uh, which is a pretty cool move. Um, Dayton head coach uh, Anthony Grant actually lost his daughter to a battle with mental health, and obviously Chris Holtman's been a, a longtime champion of you know mental health issues and things of that nature. So this will go to benefit that, and as part of kind of a longer um, event at Dayton for. Uh, those those issues, as I understand it, and it will actually be a game that you know the media can be at and everything like that, uh, which is a, certainly a change of pace from years past when Ohio State usually has these kind of secret exhibition games before the season actually starts. Um, so that's another thing that's cool. Uh, that'll be a just a couple weeks before the season actually starts uh, on November sixth uh, at the Schottenstein Center when Ohio State takes on Oakland, um, and also we found out some 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 information about. That game and uh, uh, several others on the non-conference schedule for the Buckeyes uh, as the contracts for you know how much Ohio State's paying out to their non-conference opponents uh, were released on whatever day. This is Garrick Wednesday right now as we record. Um, and so for anyone curious for that kind of stuff, obviously it's pretty interesting to, to find that out. But obviously the, you know, the, the, the teams for basketball aren't getting paid nearly as much as you know, th- those numbers for opposing football teams coming in uh, to Ohio stadium, but you know, it, it's still interesting. Nonetheless, Oakland, Ohio State's season opening opponent will get 95,000, uh, Merrimack, Miami of Ohio, Western Michigan and central Michigan get to Michigan. will all get 90 K, uh, and Texas A&M will not be paid for its appearance, um, at the shot and scene center as that game is Where's part that of that. Five come from? That's what I want to know. How come Oakland gets 95 K, but those other, uh, four schools only get 90 K, you know, if only we had a, True investigative basketball journalist at eleven players <laughs> to really, really get in the nitty gritty and go. All right, Gene or Chris, what's up with uh, shorting these other four teams' uh, five grand? What's so great about Oakland? Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Maybe it has something to do with it being the season opener or something like that. Uh, but I would have to do some some more digging for sure, Garrick, in order to figure that one out. 
but uh, uh, a bigger. I don't think anyone's really uh, fighting to know why uh, one team gets five thousand dollars, which is chump change in the college athletic world. But well, Garrick, since you asked, I figure I've got to uh, you know do some. I, I got to do my due diligence in some regard there. But a, a bigger expect a full uh, full enterprise report by Friday. I'll get that in for you. A bigger paycheck will be cut to Ohio State uh, for its participation in the CBS Sports Classic in December. I believe it's December 16th, where Ohio State is likely going to play UCLA, although no opponent has officially been set as of yet. But that will be a $250,000 paycheck for Ohio State, which obviously you can can see why Ohio State likes to play in that uh, event year in and year out. The Buckeyes will also get 25K to play that neutral site game against West Virginia in Cleveland on December 30th, um, which I'm not sure uh, we'll be able to attend, Garrett, depending on what kind of football stuff is uh, sorting out at that time of the year, as it usually is. But uh, nonetheless, good for Ohio State to to get some money, I guess, Garrett. I mean, nothing too crazy there other than just some you know generally interesting notes on how this all works here in the uh, world, the crazy world of college athletics. I don't need an enterprising report due on Friday um, from that one, thankfully, but it would be kind of cool to go see them play in that arena if uh, we're able to, but uh, knowing the way that the calendar works, unfortunately we're probably going to be preoccupied with uh, football things. Yeah. I missed that. I missed the, they had the same matchup, I believe in the same place uh, in 20, 2019, the end of 2019 or the start of 2020 when I was just kind of dipping my, my foot in, still working at the lantern for Ohio state. And that was one that conflicted with some football stuff as well. So not sure we'll be able to make it there, but would be cool for sure. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. Big thank you to Garrick for joining the podcast again, back to back weeks. He's now a, an honorary host uh, of the real pod Wednesdays podcast. And next week, I believe Dan should be back. So we should have kind of more regularly scheduled uh, podcasting uh, for you guys. And hopefully you know, back on the regular Wednesday uh, for your your listening pleasure here. Uh, guys, thanks so much for, fill, uh, for tuning in today, and I will talk to you guys next week.